In partnership with the National Urban League and its affiliates, AHA is producing a series of podcasts that discuss a variety of COVID-related issues. For today's podcast, the third in the series, we look at how community-based organizations are leading efforts to provide testing and vaccinations to communities that are hardest hit by the pandemic. Welcome to Advancing Health, a podcast from the American Hospital Association. I'm Tom Hederley, executive speechwriter for AHA. In this conversation, Priya Bathesia, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives with AHA, is talking with Dr. Germaine St. Baugh, President and CEO of the Urban League of Broward County in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, about how her organization is working to build capacity on the front lines to tackle the COVID-19 pandemic. So Dr. Baugh, thank you so much for being with us today to share the work that you and the National Urban League are leading in Fort Lauderdale. Um, Can we just start by sharing a little bit more of your organization's history in Fort Lauderdale and how you've worked to build trust within your community? Well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here with you, Priya. Um, I'm sure we're gonna have a really great conversation together. So the, to your point, the Urban League of Broward County is affiliated with the National Urban League in New York. Uh, there, are old, there are about 90 affiliates around the United States and seven in the state of Florida. So we happen to be in Sunshine um, area in South Florida here. And uh, we've been in this community for 45 years. So it has been definitely an opportunity for us to continue the work of promoting economic and social equality in six primary areas, education, entrepreneurship, jobs, justice, housing, and health. And I would say to you that in those six pillars, we operate about six, 17 programs throughout those six pillars. And that is how the Urban League, we would say, gets paid for its services. But the way that we build trust, the way that we build our credibility is through advocacy. Advocacy is the is is really the area in which others look to the Urban League to really make sure that those voices that tend to be silent or ignored actually make it to the proverbial table. Your organization has worked on the front lines to combat the COVID pandemic, and you had the first walk-up site um, for COVID-19 testing in the state of Florida. Um, how has your work helped? increase access for the Fort Lauderdale community and what led to your decision to get involved? Yeah, well, I think like most of us, we didn't know what was happening, but we knew something was happening and that we would need to have some level of of a response. And for the Urban League, one of the areas that we often look at is, is equity. So in the beginning of the pandemic, it was about testing. So the simple question of where are these testing sites? Where are they going to be located? How do minority communities that may have limited access to transportation, um, individuals now being considered essential workers, how are they getting access to these testing sites? So for us, it was really advocating and saying, where are these sites? Are they close to people that 
uh, close to communities where we know people have limited access to. So talking to the Department of Health, talking to the governor's office, talking to emergency management, talking to our hospital districts and our hospitals to say, we want to be a part of the solution. And by doing that, and then simply putting, as we would call the lived experience in the middle of the conversation, all the other sites were drive up. And frankly, Priya, I said, my family growing up, we wouldn't have a car. So what about me? What about the kids who live in households that were like mine when I was growing up? So just constantly asking that question, it's like, well, let's figure out the logistics for our walk-up site. And then the question became, well, where would we put it? The Urban League happens to have a pretty nice facility in the central part of Broward County. And I raised my hand and I said, just do it at the Urban League. So I think for Urban Leagues and for community-based organizations, it's an it's a really interesting intersection of looking at what are our resources that we have and how do we link those to the resources that exist, you know, in the healthcare system. And then both entities or all entities working together fully for the end product, the end user, and giving them um, an experience that we would want ourselves. So I'm going to go a little bit off script here, Dr. Ba. Um, you know, you mentioned all of these relationships that you built and that allowed these walk-in clinics to be successful. What are some of the things that you've done or you've seen done well to help build that trust um, amongst organizations to take on big things like the COVID pandemic? That's a really good question. And one of the things that I think is really important for all of us to understand working in community, and we naturally know this, but we have to activate it, is that crisis breeds a certain level of, of relationship, right? We know we have to act, so we act. But prior to the crisis, prior to the challenges, building, trusting, authentic relationships is crucial. So for example, when I got the phone call from my local department of health, it, they weren't foreign to me and I wasn't foreign to them. So we can have very open conversations, very direct conversations. They knew that they could trust me with whatever information that I they were sharing with me. And I knew that I could trust them because over the years we had built up that cadence of conversation, that cadence of authenticity, that cadence of service. So whether it is with government, whether it's with hospitals, uh, whether it is with, frankly, um, the, the consumers, the residents of community, right? All of that trust being built up is before crisis. I really wanna recommend that if we're truly gonna be in relationship, right? In community relationship with each other, do something real simple sit down, be quiet for a little bit, and write down all the individuals in your community that you feel, or even if you don't know the person by name, you might know their organization, write down the organization. Write them down. These are relationships that I need to build. And then make a conscious effort to reach out, to build that relationship, because the next crisis is coming. Hopefully it's not this, hopefully it's not a pandemic, but there's something that's going to happen in your community that requires true collaboration um, as the light is being, you know, shone on a lot of different uh, things at this point. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking that additional question. But, you know, since the vaccine rollout has begun, we've started to observe that there's both a combination of hesitancy and access issues that is driving some of the low uptake rates among Black and other people of color. Um, you know, the primary factor may not actually be access, it may not be hesitancy, it's some combination of the two. Um, so given your learnings from your work that you do on a day-to-day -day basis in Fort Lauderdale, and especially the work that you've done with the walk-up testing, um, you know, are there ways that hospitals and health systems can help address these access and hesitancy issues? I actually think you've hit it right on the head in the sense of it's not only access, it's not only education and outreach, it's somewhere in the middle and both, right? Because uh, what we have found, so the walk-up testing site is one example of something that we did specifically related to COVID, but we also uh, was able to provide what we call our family first fund, which is emergency fund uh, dollars available to families to help them during this particular uh, crisis. We also did a pilot program uh, that focused on supporting individuals who were either COVID exposed or COVID positive. So in those opportunities of being able to engage in addition to the prevention health programs and so forth that we ran before COVID, education is key. And I think that one of the areas that hospitals and health systems can probably activate and elevate in, in even deeper ways, uh, particularly for minority communities, is that folks have a lot of questions, right? But the thing is, I have my question when I, I want to ask my question when I have the question in my head, not when you want to schedule a webinar or when you want to schedule a session of whatever sorts, right? So I've always thought that one of the things that would be really, really great is a hotline, right? Where people can call when they are having a concern, having a question, should I take this vaccine? Should I not? What is this Johnson and Johnson? What is the, the, the pharmacology related to it? And again, they may not use those words, but they have those questions, right? So I think education is, or, or having ways that people in their time will be able to access, in addition to the traditional things of standing webinars and information sessions and the like. But I always thought that that would be a really good opportunity. The second thing um, related to access, we definitely have a lot more access points with various companies, um, pharmacies and so forth coming online, hospital districts expanding, you know, the, the eligibility time um, or eligibility criteria, I should say, and even the times that they will do vaccines. But I think one of the things we need to think about is not only where they're located, but then let's just create transportation to the space. Right, that we don't, it doesn't always have to be, I can walk to it, but it can be, you know, using a transportation system that may already exist in the neighborhood. They have neighborhood buses in some communities. Uh, you do have ride share uh, that's making um, partnerships available. Again, that hotline can get information out. I want to take the vaccine, I've decided to take the vaccine. But now I can't get there. That hotline could be a place where people can call that is agnostic 
to the hospital or the district or the health system, but is just open and available. So it might be a combination of healthcare systems in a particular community making a decision to, um, as I would say, man or woman up, right? You know, the, these hotlines. And I think the last thing I would say is we gotta get creative, you know, all simultaneously. So the walk-up testing site was an example, but you got drive-through, walk-up, mobile, whatever it is to meet people where they are. Because my personal experience is that folks are still hesitant, but I find that when somebody in their family has gotten the vaccine or somebody close to them, not, an, not a celebrity, just somebody that they know, somebody that they can look and be like, you look okay. You didn't have any symptoms. You're okay. You're really fine. And that person is talking to them and saying, yeah, you know, I went and I got it. And, you know, this is what happened to me, whatever it is. It gives them that confidence that they're like, okay, I'll do it. And in my personal household, that's how it worked. My mother-in-law got the vaccine very early on. My father-in-law was like, eh, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. But after he saw many of her siblings um, and so forth take it, no issues. He went right on ahead and you know took the vaccine. And I and and I've heard a lot of stories like that. So the more that we can connect the lived neighborhood experience back to the target population that we would like, provide opportunities for education in real time, and then transporting people to those access points wherever it is that they might be, mobile pop-up drive-through. Um, walk up, I think all those options are going to get us to a higher level of, of vaccine um, or, or people taking the vaccine. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the part about education being available at the time that an individual wants it. Um, I think I do my best thinking sort of in the middle of the night when I wake up and have an idea or a question. And so having that sort of support when people are ready to get the information or ready to take in the information um, is going to be really important and just as important as having the right sites and the right transportation. Um, so as you build on your current efforts um, that you have taken during this pandemic, um, you know, what, what comes next and how can hospitals and health systems help you achieve your goals? That is a really powerful question because we have to acknowledge there is a next, right? Um, we are we are going to survive this. We are going to mourn the individuals um, that we have lost and the families who continue to um, experience this. But we will move through, and we will be in a post-COVID environment. And I think that that post-COVID environment, specifically for the Urban League, has to focus on those social determinants of health. To ask ourselves how do we get here, right? How do we get to a place where black and brown people were more susceptible to this issue, more, more susceptible to um, having the challenges of COVID and the, mor the mortality um, that, that came with it? And I believe that for us, that is the space of advocacy and that is the space of service. 
So advocating around what housing needs to, to look like um, current and in the future, providing people opportunities for safe, affordable housing, looking at job opportunities and the educational opportunities is going to be important. You know, now folks have the tagline of an essential worker. You know, let's see how essential they will be a year from now, right? In terms of our dialogue and how we truly treat them in helping them to upskill and reskill when technology and the fourth industrial revolution begins to revolutionize, right? The way in which we engage with a lot of the things that we do now. So I think a post COVID environment needs to one, recognize that there has to be, I would suggest, a simultaneous message of yes. We need people to get vaccine, um, get the vaccine and get vaccinated. We need you to, um, we want you to understand and make an informed decision for you and your family. And let's talk about a healthy lifestyle. What does that look like? Even with a vaccine, how do we change the trajectory, right? Of all these other comorbidities that, you know, linked us to this respective, um, uh, disease and this pandemic. And then the second part is really looking at the community on a whole and the various areas, housing, education, jobs, justice, and really as a hospital district, hospital systems and hospitals working very closely with their respective community-based organizations. There's a value proposition in it that when you build relationships before crisis makes it a whole lot easier in crisis to truly be responsive. So I would say to our, um, to our, to the members who are listening, make that list. Once you make the list, get to get, get to getting those contacts, making those phone calls and invite people into the proverbial, you know, room under the tent and really have an exchange of resources that makes sense for the end user, which are the, the clients, the patients, the residents that live in our respective communities. Yeah, and I'm so glad you raised the point of those societal factors that are influencing health because those are gonna be so important for us to take on. Um, you know, starting now into the pandemic, and we've seen a lot of hospitals take it on and work with others in their community, and I think the message that you just said that this isn't one organization's job, this is a collective and that we should come together to do it, I think is really important for sort of all of those that are involved with improving these societal factors. So Dr. Ba, it was a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for all of the work that you're doing in your community um, with the National Urban League and you know, for being with us today. It was a really enjoyable conversation. Thank you.